Hello and welcome back to the news this week. And without further ado, let's get started. So first bit of news, I want to talk about Rex. They have announced that another 737-800 will be joining their fleet of jets by the end of the year, making it the 10th 737 to enter operations for the airline. The aircraft joining the fleet will be an ex-Silcare aircraft, otherwise known as SQ Regional and will be registered as VH8KH. The aircraft will be in time for the very Christmas and New Year's period, giving passengers another choice in travel across Australia. Rex Deputy Chairman John Sharp said that this new aircraft is the third of four aircraft to be delivered this financial year, meaning that there's another one on the way next year too. The 737 will continue to be deployed between large cities in Australia, such as Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney. Sharp also invited all cities to contact Rex if they wanted their airports to be served with the unparalleled Rex experience. That was his words, not mine. (laughs) Unparalleled. Unparalleled Rex experience. John Sharp, he's smoking the good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) John Sharp. If only Christos was here, he'd have a he'd have a good time with Sharp, ah, wouldn't he? He you know, loves a bit of Sharp. Loves a bit of Sharp. <laughs> the old Metro Liner shout out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mate, yeah. We're talking about seven three sevens. His second favorite aircraft. So it goes Metro Liner and then seven three sevens. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, look, I think it's good that uh, I think it's good. Rex have got ten seven three sevens. I'm surprised they had that many. To be honest, is this actually yeah. the first um their first aircraft in Australia to have? It's probably not. This is a dumb question. I'm already going to withdraw the question, actually. I was going to say, is this the first aircraft in Australia registered under VH and then a, a number in the registration after VH? It wouldn't be, right? The first first, first aircraft in Australia or first aircraft in Rex's fleet? Oh, I suppose the, it'd be in By Rex's the way, the answer, is bo- the answer is no for both. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's uh, fine. I can cut that. No, I, I was going to no, say also... I find it so interesting just how many Australian aircraft that are purchased from, uh, you know, it's a secondhand aircraft, comes from Silcare, you know? Well, Silcare yeah. and SQ, obviously, but, like, at some point in its journey, it's been at Silcare. Because a lot of the 320s from Jetstar had the same story, you know what I mean? Like, it's interesting. Yeah, like the 320s from Jetstar, they came from Jetstar Asia, which I guess is more or less a sort of uh, a, a more... It, it's easier to transfer, let's put it that way. Uh, Silk Air... Now, this is this is just me theorizing something here. This isn't actually fact, or it might not be actually fact. Um, Rex's ownership is uh, Singaporean, actually. So I have a feeling that they were able to access some of the old Silk Air aircraft with them being Singaporean and obviously Silk Air being Singaporean. That That's a bit of a theory that I'll float around. Um, but I guess, you know, Silk Air was Singapore Airlines' regional arm that sort of collapsed or got absorbed uh, just before COVID became Singapore Airlines. Um so from that, they got the 737 Maxes, and they held on to very few of their 737NGs. Um, a lot of them got moved on, specifically down to uh, Rex. Uh, Rex also did get Virgin Australia's 737s. 
Um, oh, they okay. got a few of the old ones. Yeah, so I think uh, that was probably the only proper like common knowledge. Like even non-av geeks knew that sort of thing, right? Because it's like there was the purple and red headrests when Rex first went into. Yeah, the very first, the very first few Rex seven three sevens. I remember flying on one, and I walked in, Same. and I was like, "Am I on Rex or am I in Virgin Australia?" It's actually hilarious because if you have a look at the uh, the business class seats. On Virgin Australia, you would see the Virgin logo embossed in the actual headrest. They've gotten <laughs> rid of that, and oh, all okay. they have done is they've made Rex embossed in the headrest rather than Virgin Australia. Right. It's absolutely hilarious. But, Same strange color know, scheme, like the red and purple? or yeah, um, In business class? Oh, I suppose. It, oh, or, yeah, I suppose it depends. In business class, it's just black sort of leather, but in the in the back, it's, uh, it's the same. It's the same. You've got the red, purple, and the something else the navy blue or something i'm not too sure uh virgin frequent flies fact check me please yes at aaron um we know- <laughs> yeah aaron if you're listening to the podcast <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, right um but yeah man uh i think it is great that Rex are getting more aircraft i am surprised that they have 10 to be 10 already man like, good i good. didn't i didn't realize they had that many but uh, yeah I think it's uh, that's a pro. You can put together a to, proper um, route network with that many aircraft. Like, yeah, we, we laugh at we laugh at Bonza, right? Because they've got like what four or five, and you you have to put together some strange pairings. Like in one day, you'll have one aircraft go like Maroochydore to Bundaberg, Bundaberg to Coolangatta, Coolangatta to Melbourne, Melbourne to Mildura, Mildura to Coolangatta. You know, all in one day, it's doing strange stuff. And while a lot of aircraft do that in the larger networks. Uh, you know, like Jetstar and Qantas, the majority of their aircraft are doing Melbourne, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney, or, you know, they're doing, um, you know, like an international return and then resting because they can afford to do that. An airline like Bonza can't afford to do that. And on top of that, I just also want to say Rex now with 10 aircraft can put together a purpose-built, they can put together a purpose-built fleet with 10 aircraft, and all 10 aircraft can run exactly the same as what I just said about Jetstone Qantas. You know, Melbourne, Sydney, Melbourne, Sydney, they can even afford to rest in aircraft after doing like a long haul, say that they started per services. I don't know. But you know what I mean? They can afford to do that at a larger fleet. Hey, exactly, man. Exactly. I mean, they're getting an 11th one um, at the start of next year. So maybe Perth could be on the map for Rex. I mean, what did I say at the end of that bit? Um all cities, if they are interested, contact Rex immediately if they want the unparalleled Rex experience. That is coming from the deputy chairman right there. Yeah. So I reckon Perth could be on the cards next year. Deputy um, chairman, can, uh, he can we'll sell us to an Eskimo by the sounds of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Well, second bit of news, Emirates has set aside spare aircraft and crew to help stranded Aussies return home from Israel. According to the Australian government, there are still around 10,000 Australian citizens in Israel with existing repatriation plans carried out by Qantas cancelled by the Department of Foreign Affairs. So far, it has confirmed a special repatriation flight marked as EK2616, which will fly from Sydney, uh, which will fly from Dubai to Sydney, sorry, on October the 19th. It will be operated 
on the Airbus A380, and this is in addition to the existing three daily Emirates flights into Sydney, with two being on the 380. According to Emirates, the airline is ready to put on additional humanitarian flights as needed, and as of now, there are still a few ways that passengers can travel between Tel Aviv and Dubai, including multiple daily services on Fly Dubai, Arkia, and El Al. Now, this is all subject to change depending on the situation that's happening in Israel. And on top of that, Qatar Airways has also operated a special service yesterday from Doha to Sydney, carrying 222 stranded citizens home. Two things I want to talk about here. First is obviously the horrific situation that's going on in Israel at the moment. I don't want to sort of get onto like one particular side. I'm pretty neutral on the situation. You know, I don't want to go pro-Israel or pro-Palestine. Uh, very neutral on the situation. Um, what's happening is not good at all for anyone, to be honest. Um, I first of all, I want to say good on Emirates, to be honest, yeah. for, for doing that. Second of all, Qatar Airways, once again, being there when Aussies need them most. <laughs> it's what Will the representative said at the Senate change- hearing. He said that. Anything. We we talked about the pandemic. We're talking about this now. They're there when Aussies need them most. And admittedly, Qantas weren't the ones that actually cancelled the flight. It was DFAT at the end of the day. But there was only one flight from Tel Aviv to London Heathrow that Qantas operated, which I've- had less passengers than Qatar Airways. So technically, Qatar Airways has actually done more than Qantas has to repatriate Aussies out of Israel. Well, I was going to say... Will that change that, anything? I don't think so. I was going to say... I was going to say that um, I've read earlier today, and you can confirm whether this is true or not, Nick, but at one stage, one of the Qantas A380s that was in Tel Aviv had its flight cancelled due to safety concerns and had to sort of wait a few extra hours before it could get off the ground. Um, yeah, that did happen. Um, it was a Dreamliner. Um, a Dreamliner, sorry. Yeah, that, 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 that did happen. Yeah, that, that did actually happen. It actually got into uh, Tel Aviv late as well. In uh, I think that was that was due to safety concerns as well. So it is a pretty risky operation, um, to be honest, flying there at the moment. Yeah. And obviously, we've got the LL. I'd say that LL is the only regular sort of operator in and out of Tel Aviv at the moment. And it'd have to be um, one of the only operators that is poised well enough to be able to do so, right? Given it's it's got a, it's got actual military hardware installed in most of its aircraft. Yeah, it has sort of anti-missiles on most of their aircraft. Uh, their crew and their sort of pilots are more or less all ex-military. So they're... They're really built for this, um, yeah, absolutely. Sort of, sort of situation. As much as nobody wants it, um, I would say that them as an airline is most prepared for this than, say, something like a British Airways or a sort of Cathay Pacific that, or United Airlines that sort of comes in on regular passenger services, which have had to cancel because of obviously yeah. what has been happening. Yeah. It's no comparison that can to really be made, right? But. 
if I were to make a comparison, I'd look at the evacuation of uh, Afghanistan with US troops and just how, and civilians there, and just how much of a schmozzle that was. That last famous C 17 taking off with people literally like clinging for life and falling to their deaths off of the wheel cavities of the C 17 because of just how botched that evacuation was. Whereas somewhere like Israel, where, um, you know, Ben Gurion Airport, Tel Aviv Airport, and uh, along with the, all of the um, LL aircraft, have infrastructure in place to allow a mass exodus of foreign civilians such as this, which is so interesting. Yeah, look, I mean, so far it's been so good. I don't think there's been any sort of complications with Aussies um, getting home. Obviously, getting the Aussies home is still a bit of a challenge, um, just sort of navigating the uh, the sort of times and sort of availability of aircraft being able to come in and take Aussies home. I think there's about 1,600 Aussies that have requested to come out of Israel. Yeah. Whether that 222 that I mentioned with Qatar Airways and the additional, uh, I'd say about 150, 200 on Qantas count, under that 1,600, I'm not too sure. Yeah, But having an additional A380 um, confirmed going from Dubai to uh, Sydney uh, next Tuesday, I believe it is. That will definitely help out. Um, Absolutely. With about sort of 400 people, if they can fill it up to the brim, 400, 500 people. Um, so, yeah, um, obviously, well done, Emirates. Well done. Well done, Qantas, to be honest. Um, they did as much as they possibly could within their means, and well done, Qatar Airways. Yeah. Uh, well done. Uh, well done, Qatar Airways. That's exactly right. Sorry, Catherine King, but mate, but the more you let Qatar act, the less ground you have to stand on in your decision to deny their extra additional slots between Melbourne and Sydney. I'm sorry, but Qatar have played you, Catherine King, in every circumstance, in the Senate hearing, in the public eye, anywhere you look, every Australian is looking at you and saying, how is it possibly in our interest as Australian citizens for Qatar not to be approved these additional 18 weekly departure and arrival slots? It makes zero sense and it flies directly in the face of true competitive business. Yeah, well, that's it. And this is just the sort of the, the icing on top of the cake, really. Ammunition uh, this, to the fire, this, yeah. Um, Qatar, Qatar Airways... Once again, bringing stranded Aussies home. This isn't the first time they've done this. Admittedly, this is probably not going to be the last time that they've done this. And as CEO Akbar Al-Baka states in many interviews, when the Aussies needed us or when the people needed us, we were there for them. You know? And that was echoed by their representative in the Senate as well in front of some very, very embarrassed senators that supported Catherine King's decision. Mm, no good, no good. Well, we'll see how the Qatar Airways dispute unfolds. Of course, and uh, our thoughts and speaking- prayers are also with um, the people of uh, Israel and Palestine through this entire ordeal as well, of course. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's um, definitely not a good situation that's going on there. Finally, I want to move back to Australia. Um, I want to talk about Brisbane Airport. Um because there has been some proposed curfews by the Greens. Um, Tom's obviously heard about this, judging by the look <laughs> of his face. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. But Brisbane airports have done some studies, and they have shown that these proposed curfews 
from the Australian Greens Party could cost $1.5 billion, as well as 16,000 jobs from the southeast Queensland regional communities, as well as Brisbane, of course. Now, Elizabeth Watson-Brown is the Greens politician behind the push to reduce total flight movements in Brisbane to 45 an hour and a curfew between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. The growing issue with noise pollution in Brisbane has got to do with the second runway and new flight paths over flying homes that were once not under a flight path. Air Services Australia is actively working on changing flight paths in Brisbane and air traffic control to route more flights over Moreton Bay. Brisbane Airport argue that new curfews and fewer flight movements would result in more cancelled flights, delays, as well as higher airfares. The new rules would have a significant effect on Southeast Queensland regional communities, as well as Brisbane's ability to welcome tourists to the 2032 Olympic Games. If the curfew was to be in place, flights from international airlines such as Qatar Airways, Eva Air, Emirates, Vietjet, Cathay Pacific and China Airlines would either need to be rescheduled or scrapped entirely. Wow. Far yeah. out. The greens, man. That- I'm looking, I'm literally looking at a noise contour map right now. And um, I just don't think there's enough evidence to suggest that um, a curfew is needed based on noise pollution at the very least. Look, I mean, we, we want to make a couple of hundred, maybe a thousand people happy. Maybe a few thousand, actually. No, I say that. I to, mean, the, the inner three... We, we, want, we, want, we, want, we want to keep them happy at, a, at the cost of half a billion dollars and 16,000 jobs. They, they want to do that. I, I'm, I'm actually stunned, to be honest, that they could even think that that's feasible at all. The inner three because electorates of Brisbane not. are a green stronghold. Um, Griffith, Brisbane, and Ryan, all greens holdouts. Um, so they have numbers at a federal level within Brisbane, but I'm not sure about their state political situation, which is obviously where the infrastructure changes made and, and the proposed legislation is uh, put through for something like this. But um, that's the only perspective by which I'm looking at the greens in that light. I think... Uh, circumstantially, if it was if it was Labor proposing it, if it was the uh, Liberal Party, I would be saying the same thing, and that is that it's a it's a little ludicrous. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, whatever party says that it's very ludicrous. To be honest, um, forty five an hour, it's it's forty five flight movements an hour and a curfew. That that will really put Brisbane back. It'll rock and Brisbane, Brisbane. Are, are, are marketed as Australia's new world city. And yeah. they will have to change their marketing campaign if this were to happen because that is not a new world city that has caps of 45 an hour and a curfew between 10 p.m. Yeah, and 6 a.m. That, that's a no and, world city. Yeah, that's it, yeah. To be honest, we're coming at you from Melbourne. This is probably a good thing for us, you know, in Melbourne because we're just going to get more of the traffic from uh, from from Brisbane because we can accommodate it down in Melbourne because yeah, we are the no we are Australia's largest non curfew airport, which is a very interesting fact, might I add? Very interesting fact, yes. 
Maybe yeah. maybe could add that to the fun facts that I put out on the Instagram, which I haven't done recently, unfortunately, because I've been right. a bit busy. I've been a bit I've been a bit slack. So and sorry, on that, and actually, yeah, but, ladies and gentlemen, just listening at home, I just should have mentioned also. Um, uh, unfortunately, you won't be able to expect a uh, an instalment of our regular episodes at the normal week uh, fortnightly time on a Monday morning. Um, unfortunately, due to a bunch of uh, circumstances surrounding the work that all four of us do within the aviation industry alike, uh, we are kind of tied up. So, uh, interesting time That's to be involved it. in Australian aviation, but I, I, I assure you, we have a lovely, juicy episode coming up um, in the works. It may just be a week or a bit late, so we'll see. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but, you know, having to schedule with three guys on shift work, it is a pretty big pain, to be honest. Three guys that do seven days a week, 24-hour shift work. Well, for me, 21-hour for, for, for you and Ross, 24-hour well, yeah. well, shift uh, work. Thing, so it's, 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 it is a bit of a pain. But shift work, but we'll also, also we've got to talk about Christos, who is, is CPL as well, takes up a huge portion of time. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That's, yeah, that's he's studying hard. He's 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 the grind never stops with Christos. You know, he's built different. Never back now. Never what? Never give up. <laughs> <laughs> that's Christos, man. That's Christos. Exactly. Well, anyway, that is the news for this week. Um, we hope that you enjoyed listening to what has been happening around aviation this week and what's been happening across the globe, more or less. Very uh, excited. Ah, there we go. Thanks, Christos. Wait, was wait that was a soundbite of Christos. That wasn't even Christos. That's crazy. <laughs> I thought him. it was Christos. Who Got said him. Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> uh, stick around to next time for another fortnight to get some new juicy news. But until then, catch you later, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening, and we will see you in a week and a half with our regular instalment. Thanks very much. Bye.